The Chicago White Sox are finally back in action as they begin a four-game series against the Cleveland Guardians right here in Chicago. It's a critical series as they, of course, chase both the Guardians and Twins in the AL Central. Can they build upon their pre-All-Star break momentum? What players need to step up in the second half for the Sox to have success? And which players will continue to flourish? The Sox are back on the south side. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Locked On White Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day, we're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, search Locked On White Sox. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTV. Really appreciate you letting me steal some of your time to talk White Sox. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh White Sox and Guardians tonight on the south side. Giolito goes for the Sox as they try to build on the momentum before the break. Uh, it is a pleasure to be joined by writer and editor for Fansided, as well as a podcaster on Barroom Network, Vinny Parisi. Welcome to Lockdown White Sox. Nick Murawski, one of my favorite people on Chicago White Sox Twitter. I mean that. I say it every time. You are a top five Twitter follower for any White Sox fan. For me, you're top one, but I didn't want to sound too creepy. You know, I'm just so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Oh, Vinny, that is so nice of you to say. Uh, Love the content. Love the great stuff you are putting out. Uh, I'm excited to talk uh, second half of White Sox with you. Uh, Sox, of course, 46 and 46. Three games back uh, in the AL Central. There's so many things that need to go right. And some things are out of, obviously, the team's control. And health and injuries uh, were an issue in the first half. A lot of question marks as we record uh, regarding Aloy and Robert. Uh, A guy that uh, a lot of folks uh, have wondering about is Jake Berger. You had an opportunity on your podcast to talk to Jake Berger. You know, he's been battling an injury. We saw some some amazing play from Jake Berger. A lot of Sox fans, including myself, are wondering, what's the future uh, for Jake Berger? Is he going to be involved in the second half of this Sox season? Yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about. So when I think of Jake Berger, and then they have Yoan Moncada at third base, right? One is significantly better than the other at defense, and that's Mancada. One, so far this season, has been significantly better in the batter's box, and that's Jake Berger. Yoan Mancada's ceiling on both sides of the baseball is supposed to be otherworldly compared to Berger, but that just has not been the case so far. So, in my opinion, I would like to see both guys on the roster. Mancada's the starter, I think, 
the hot corner and the potential of the bat probably outweigh the pros of Jake Berger because there are some times where he's booting the ball around, got plays that Mankata makes, and you'd like to see them be better at not giving up runs as opposed to scoring runs, especially with the other big bats in the lineup. So I think Jake Berger has potential to make an impact on this team. But as of right now, I'm kind of seeing him as the backup third baseman going into the second half. I would just like to see him stay healthy. And I would like to see Tony LaRusa manage the two of them in a way that works because I think it's possible. Yeah, uh, he's a it's a feel good story, uh, easy guy to root for. Um, it, it was a joy watching what he can do when he had some regular playing time. So, uh, a guy we're definitely going to be watching, and I think can provide some value for the Sox in the second half. Uh, in 2021, second half, uh, Yasmani Grandal uh, just on fire, uh, carried the Sox at times. I would say offensively in. We haven't seen Yasmani Grandal in a while. Uh, we haven't really gotten any news uh, that might be coming soon as the Sox kick things off uh, Friday night. Hopefully he's back. Hopefully he's healthy soon. Uh, what's the case with Sevi Zavala and Reese McGuire in your mind? Is there an odd man out and who is that? Yeah, just based on Yasmani Grandal's pedigree and how he pretty much had MVP level numbers in the second half of last season. Like if he did that, if he did what he did from August to October and April through October, I mean, he wouldn't have won the MVP over Otani, but he would have been in the mix, right? As far as him coming back, it wasn't that great of a start for him, but we said the same thing last year. So you're kind of forced to think about who is it between Reese McGuire and Sebi Zavala, even though there's a case to be made for both of them. It's kind of like the Moncada versus Jake Berger thing, right? Sebi Zavala has been awesome with his bat so far this season. The numbers have just been above what anyone, including the most optimistic fan in the world, would have never thought Zavala's numbers would look like they do since Grandal got hurt, right? And Reese McGuire's been pretty dang good with his glove. He, you know, he limits the curveballs in the dirt. I mean, the White Sox have some starters that are not easy to receive, right? Just junk in the dirt after 99 miles an hour fastballs. Like, that's not easy. And then throwing darts to second base, guys can't steal on them like they have been able to in recent years, including years they were bad. The thing I wonder is if there's a tiebreaker, like what's more important? It's what's more sustainable. And I think Reese's ability to play defense is likely more sustainable than Sebi Zavala's ability to hit like this. From that point of view, I think Reese is probably the guy that sticks around. They also traded Zach Collins to get him. So I'm not sure that they just cut ties with Reese McGuire that quickly you know, just based on Grandal coming mm-hmm. back and Sebi being hot for a couple weeks. So if I had to make a guess, I would assume Sebi's gone. But that just sucks to say because if the, the real right move might be to like send Sheets to AAA again or, you know, well, actually the real right move would be to get rid of Leary Garcia, but we all know that's not happening. <laughs> there so you like, go. Yeah, uh... so like eh, I, I have a feeling come tomorrow, if tomorrow's the day where they activate Grandal, which I think we all are kind of assuming it's going to be, based on what we saw in the minors before the all-star break, um, it's going to be Grendel and Maguire as the catcher duo. But when this releases and the exact opposite happens and everybody is free to hop in my DMs and call me an idiot, you do it anyway. So go ahead. It's tough, tough <laughs> to make the call. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you can make an argument either way. Uh, I, I like your, your point of view of what's more sustainable and, you know, McGuire's got the lefty bat, uh, the Sox value that. You mentioned a guy in sheets, uh, lefty bat, power bat. You know, he make he made a trip to AAA, seemed like he got himself right, came back up and 
we started to see the power, the, the doubles into the gap, you know, um, hitting, hitting it over the fence, which we need. This team absolutely needs uh, home runs. Uh, but I, you know, I've always been a fan of Adam Engel. When he can be healthy, I think he provides so much. We saw him come up big in the Minnesota series when Luis Robert went down. Thoughts on Gavin Sheets and Adam Engel? Can you go one or the other, or can you have both and you know fit them in in different spots? I would like to have both. It didn't feel very good to say send Gavin Sheets back down to AAA in favor of one of the catchers. It's just like one of the other catchers is likely gone forever, or you can use the. Well, I think Gavin Sheets has his third option, one more option for this season. So that just seems like the best way to keep them all, if you will. Man, the big lefty bat, middle of the lineup, middle late part of the lineup, depending on how your opinion on lineup construction, but the the lefty thing is huge. And that might be the tiebreaker for McGuire too, because even though he might not be as good offensively, he's good enough where when he's the catcher, that's fine. Adam Engel's so good. I mean, for a guy who gets as injured as often as he does, you would think we just like kind of get annoyed with him but when he's out there and he's that he's the legitimate utility man that this guy needs in the outfield or that this team needs in the outfield he could play left center right it doesn't matter you know when Robert goes down center field's the hardest of the three to play and he's able to just fill in he hits a three-run bomb probably the biggest home run of the White Sox season so far to put the twins that far behind you in a game that you pretty much have to win it it just speaks volumes to what he is so when Sheets came back up, he was awesome again. And Berger talked to us about how the pitching coach, now I'm drawing a blank on a, a Chris Johnson, I think it is, with uh, the Charlotte Knights mm-hmm. and Frank Menachino. They're pretty fluid with their dialogue on what they do. And I know Frank Menachino takes a lot of heat from White Sox Twitter about the approach this season, but those two worked together to get Sheets back to where he is now. So it's definitely an interesting conversation. I hate Sheets in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Like, of course. I really, yeah. I really hate him in the outfield. I never want to see him play in the outfield ever again. I'd rather watch Eloy every single day of the week, not even close. And so you use angle for defensive purposes and the clutch moment offensively every now and then. But man, if there's runners on second and third and Sheets comes up to bat one out, I know he can at least drive it deep to get at least one of those runs home. So yeah, you know, I like his bat. Yeah, it's uh, going with just going back to Angle. A couple of years ago, we were saying, well, A, can he just stay healthy, please? And and B, if he could only start swinging the bat, we know he's got the glove. And now Angle is doing that. So I'm going to be watching him closely, especially if we get some uh, some rough news on Robert or or Aloy uh, uh, on Friday. Um, we're going to tell you uh, what players – Need to have a big second half for the Sox to get back into the playoff conversation. Uh, More on that in a moment. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network, over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, Lockdown gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Lockdown NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So uh, second half here is is upon us, and the Sox have four games with the Guardians, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Of course, that doubleheader on Saturday. Vinny, I mean, there's, there's a variety of different guys uh, that maybe you want to focus on, uh, but who needs to have a, sec- a big second half for the Sox uh, for them to repeat as AL Central champs? So I have all faith in the world. I'm a big pitching guy. Most of my content revolves around pitching. I mean, obviously, offense is important. You need to score more runs than the other team in order to win. That's how baseball is played, right? But in order to win, you also got to keep the other team from scoring, too. And pitching is just so hard to come by. And I think the White Sox, for as bad of an organization as they've been for the last 10 to 15 years, they've developed pitching, right? That's something that the Cubs can't say. The Yankees trade for guys. You know, the White Sox bring it up from within or the guys they trade for are prospects, right? And so I have all the faith in the world in Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, right? Giolito had that tough stretch, but he's been looking like the Giolito we know and love in the last, you know, four or five starts here. Lance Lynn has been, it's a little scary. And people compare him to Dallas Keuchel. I don't see the Dallas Keuchel comparison necessarily because Dallas Keuchel, you can't just take two guys in their mid-30s and say they're the same. Keuchel's a... a very he was a very maniacal like nitpicky type of pitcher where he's like feeling for the zone and it's all about command so once you age and the command comes off a little bit and i'm not blaming dallas keiko for this even though a lot of people don't like dallas keiko off the field but like the sticky stuff right it was kind of right around the time that that happened where keiko's command was down a little bit i was a sticky stuff guy i think it was dangerous to remove it mid-season the way that they did Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know you saw tyler glass now go down with the injury the literally the next game i was at that game at guaranteed rate field when he went down and it was just not cool so but lance lynn he's a fireballer he works three different fastballs to his advantage and then mixes in something else every now and then but it just is a little different than dallas for me and that's kind of what makes me think he can get out of it and be kind of like giolito right fastball work off the change up and then, you know, figure it out from there. Lance can do that. And so him and Michael Kopech too, up and down, up and down. There were times that start against the Yankees where he took a no hitter. What was it like halfway through the seventh Mm -hmm. inning? Like, I mean, this guy can be magnificent. And I talked to Jake Berger about that too. Hey, I literally said, how good can Michael Kopech be? He goes, Cy Young. I was like, Mm. you ever face him? He goes, yeah, one time in like a practice, shut me down on three pitches. Like Jake Berger's a good hitter for Kopech to be doing that in just mid-practice. I, I like what I've seen from Lynn and Kopech in the past, and I believe that they need to have a big second half here in order for this White Sox team to ascend into first place because pitching is everything. There are going to be nights where the offense goes dry. There's going to be nights where they score eight runs. You don't have Robert, Eloy, Abreu, Anderson, Grandal, Sheets, Berger. You don't just run that kind of lineup out there and expect to have bad offense, right? If one or two of them is struggling, someone else is going to come up, right? 
And they've even gotten clutch moments from guys like Leary Garcia. He came up twice in clutch moments this season so far and got it done. So like he's Leary legend for a reason. He's just clutch. Like he sucks every other time except for when they need him the most. <laughs> and so the offense is going to do it. I-, I need to see more from Lynn and Kopech. And then Kendall Graveman, there have been times where like he's just as you would like to hear me say, he'd been locked on, right? And, you know, Liam Hendricks has been the second best closer in baseball behind Emmanuel Classe from the Cleveland Guardians. I like watching that guy pitch too. Yeah. But, you know, if you're like a pitching guru, Mm -hmm. is like your guy, you know. So the pitching to me has been good, but it can be great. And that's what I'm looking for in the second half. Go out there and just shove, and then the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, well said. I, I too, uh, follow the pitching. I mean, good pitching will beat good hitting. And uh, last year in 2021, uh, the Sox had to rely heavily on their pitching. um, And it was healthy. And we just haven't had that uh, a healthy starting rotation uh, this year. Now, you look at Lance Lynn's numbers last year, and that's what everyone's hoping that he can somewhat come back to. I, I would agree with you. You know, his stuff is so different than Dallas Keuchel's. I have faith in Lance Lynn's stuff. Um, I think he's missing some spots, you know, his location and control. I'm worried, though, that maybe there is a health issue. Maybe the knee is still barking a little bit. Do you feel that way at all, Vinny? Yeah, and you've heard Lance kind of allude to it a couple times, talking about how, like, this is just going to be something I feel for the rest of the season. And once the offseason comes around, I'll be able to fully get rid of it. And that kind of sucks to hear because – you know, you want guys to be healthy. You want the best players to be out there. Like, what would the White Sox look like if they were just healthy? And I know that's like rose-colored glasses, perfect world, utopian society. Like, just no shot that that ever happens. But Lance Lynn is a guy who, when he's on his game, he can be unhittable. And he just throws his three fastballs and he puts it all on the table and says, I dare you to hit this. And a lot of the times, guys haven't been able to. He tailed off a little bit in the second half last year compared to his first half. He still came in third place for the Cy Young Award in the American League. And that that guy being your number four or even your number five, if Johnny Baseball, Johnny Cueto comes out and has been as good as he's been so mm. far this year, then maybe Lance Lynn could take on an El Duque type of role as if they make it into the playoffs. Or maybe if Lynn gets back in, then Cueto can do that. So and Lance Lynn, yeah, his knee's going to be barking at him the rest of the season, but I think he's veteran enough, talented enough, and smart enough to be able to kind of figure out how to work around that. Okay, maybe I can't blow it by every hitter anymore, or at least for this season. Let me figure out what I can do to feel good and get this done. Maybe he's not a six-inning, seven-inning guy anymore, like the horse that we we used to know Lance Lynn as, to go out there like, I Tony, give me the ball. Okay, Tony, give me the ball. No, after five innings, it might be time to go to like a Joe Kelly or a Kendall Graveman or, you know, Reynaldo Lopez. You compare Lopez with Lynn, who's been magnificent so far this season. And so I think there are plenty of ways to get the most out of Lance. Yeah. Uh, can't say enough about uh, Ronaldo Lopez. And that is, uh, I can't believe I'm saying that here on this podcast. A couple of years ago, uh, that was a different story. So, uh, yeah, you know, he doesn't have to carry it all. And, you know, I, I hopefully Giolito is now coming back all the way healthy and just exciting to see how this uh, how the second half will start off with Giolito uh, on Friday night. Um, we're going to talk about uh, just maybe what needs to be done at the trade deadline and, and how TLR can keep things on the tracks here in this second half. Uh, more on that. 
uh, in a moment. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're going to start this uh, last segment. Uh, with the trade deadline is it is coming up fast. Um, do you have a sense of guys maybe that uh, maybe you would like the Sox to go after or particular needs? And there are a lot of them, Vinny. Uh, where should the Sox focus, I, I should say, in the next couple weeks? Yeah, so Josh Harrison has really come along in the last month or so, not necessarily to be like a game breaker or anything like that, obviously, but he's been much better than he was in the first two months of the season, right? So second base, when he plays over Leary Garcia, has been a little bit less of a hole, but I still think there's room for upgrade there. If this team is serious about being that like Atlanta Braves type, like second half, go out there and really give yourself a chance once the postseason comes around, I'm not even saying win the World Series. Like win a playoff round first, and then we'll start talking about the World Series. And I mean, even though the 2005 White Sox kind of came out of nowhere and won the World Series, like it could always happen, right? So I think an upgrade at second base is a good idea. There are guys out there. I know like the top of the food chain second baseman that might be available is like a Jazz Chisholm Jr. from the Miami Marlins, right? And Mm -hmm. he's got family here in Illinois and it'd be definitely something that works out for him and his family coming up here to play for the rest of the summer. He'd, He'd get to play in the playoffs. I know the Marlins are having like an okay season. They have the best pitcher in the National League right now. It's just, you know, one of those things that I could see. Like Whit Merrifield, would the Royals trade him to a division rival? I don't know. But there are options out there for guys who could play the position. And then would it be nice to add another starter? I think it'd be nice because I think assuming the health of all five of our guys right now is ignorant. And, you know, just with the way that this team has gone over the last two years, like assuming the health of anybody is just – crazy the only one I'm expecting to play every game the rest of the season is Jose Abreu and then again even (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised like with just the way the injury bug has hit the socks like maybe that's the cherry on top right I'm not trying to speak it into existence or anything but you can't just assume health with this team so getting another starter sure another left-handed arm in the bullpen I think would be really outstanding like can we really trust Tanner Banks in a high leverage playoff situation I'm not sure um everything in the bullpen is centered around Reynaldo Lopez and um, Liam Hendricks right now. Like Lopez has basically taken Michael Kopech's job as like that super weapon who can be middle relief. He could be a setup man. He's even got a save on the season, right? Like he could just literally do it all in the bullpen. We thought Crochet would be that guy. Mm-hmm. So next year when you have Crochet and Reynaldo Lopez leading into Liam Hendricks, I think the 2023 White Sox can actually have like a really nice bullpen there. And especially if they get another starter. That's kind of where I'm looking at the trade deadline. There are guys you can look for an extra outfielder if you want. I know Ian Happ is going to be available from the mm-hmm, Chicago sure. club. Yeah. Right. Like I, Wilson Contreras is going to be available, but do the White Sox need a uh, offensive minded catcher? Probably not. Um, people talk about Juan Soto. I'm like, man, I wish. 
like, like, of course I wish. And, you know, I write trade packages for Southside Showdown because that that's getting people to click and engage. Sure. In oh, yeah. And people think that I like actually think that they're going to trade Jake Berger and get the deal done for Juan Soto. Like, no, me saying this is more of like a think piece. Like what? what would it take and even that's probably not enough and i preface that in every single article and people are taking it like i'm actually stupid enough to think that the nationals would make that trade but like you know it would take robert and to me that's like redundant because yeah. in order yeah. to win the world series you would probably need robert and soto so why would you trade one for the other like i i just i mean i obviously would trade one for the other because one's a lot more proven health-wise too i don't know there's so many options out there and i think rick hun up until having the not not having the ability to hire his own manager has done a pretty good job with trades. He failed on the Tatis for um, James Shields trade. Sure. Right? Like everybody yeah. talked about that, but that was in 2016 when the White Sox did not have the same mindset that they do right now. Okay, the Craig Kimbrell trade that was a disaster. But guess what? Madrigal sucks too. Mm-hmm. And Cody Hoyer has Tommy John and he had yep. like a bad type of Tommy John where it's going to take a while for him to recover. And then they traded Craig Kimbrell for AJ Pollock, who's been like at worst, a pretty good leader on the team. I don't know. I, I trust Rick Hahn to make a right decision here. Don't, don't give up too much for not enough. Be smart with your trades. And I think yeah. they'll have a strong second half. Uh, last one before we get you out here, Vinny, um, it has been a roller coaster, you know, since he was brought into the Sox organization. Uh, speaking of Tony Larusa, of course, uh, uh, you know, where do you even begin with it? Um, the Sox had a really nice stretch heading uh, into the break, uh, especially the Minnesota series, and things have quieted down a little bit. John Heyman had a piece recently. Uh, apparently, he had interaction with uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, and according to uh, the very wise uh, John Heyman, if you want to believe him, uh, Tony LaRusso is going to stick around this year and also next year. Let's think just this year. What does LaRusso need to do to just get this team back into playoff competition and into the World Series conversation? I'm pretty sure you and I kind of align on the whole Tony LaRusso thing. Like, it's been an unmitigated disaster since he's kind of became the Sox coach, but I don't think. I think that's like in little individual game things, right? I don't think Tony LaRusso is an idiot, right? He's yeah. the second winningest manager of all time, but he's also the second losingest manager of all time. So like that to me, when people bring up the, the record, it's like, okay, that's great. He's been amazing. Three World Series titles, multiple decades of success in, in front office too. Like there was no coincidence that Boston is what they are while he was in their front office. Like wherever he goes, success is followed. There's no doubt about that. I do not hate Tony LaRusso. <laughs> I think the White Sox would be in first place if Larusa had a better first half. I do. I yeah. really do. There are four or five games I could think of right off the bat. The Josh Naylor game. Okay. That was a game that I think Tony Larusa made a couple horrid mistakes. The Trey Turner 3 1 thing. The sure. first game of the doubleheader last week against the Guardians, I think, was just disastrous. Putting in Tanner Banks when he was in the middle of his struggle and you know, down a run, like maybe the offense ties it. Now that's not one that's necessarily like a guaranteed win. My whole thing with Tony is that I don't hate him. I hate some of the moves he makes. And when he makes good moves, I I, I put it on Twitter every time. Uh, there was that one, I think it was a Saturday game or a Sunday game. I can't remember who they were playing. He was outstanding bringing in Lambert and just somehow knew Lambert was just going to throw mm-hmm, darts mm-hmm. and then pinch hitting AJ Pollock for, I think he put in AJ Pollock for sheets and sheets had already hit a home Correct. run that game. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and it's like, what are you taking out sheets for? He's got a home run in this game. He's the hot stick right now. Pollock comes in and drives in a run. Like little moves like that are ones that like I'll praise Tony for. So I don't think he could be much worse in the first half. And as long as he's – if he's the 20th best manager in the MLB, <laughs> this team can win the World Series. I yeah. stand by that. And people hate on A.J. Hinch because he's got a bad record with Detroit. Those people need to go look at Detroit's injury list. Yeah, And the underperformance sure. of a guy like Javi. Like, A.J. Hinch can't get Javi to stop swinging at balls in the dirt. Like, that that's not necessarily all his fault. So, I would yeah. just – I would be cautiously optimistic with Larusa and the rest of the second half. I do think, based on last year, he could get this team going. Yeah, uh, I'm excited uh, for this second half. I absolutely believe the Sox will be AL Central champs when it's all said and done. Uh, Vinny, thank you so much for your time. Please let us know where we can find all of your great stuff. Yeah, so you could follow my hockey stuff at the Windy City FS for the Blackhawks at Pitched Fork Buck for the New Jersey Devils, of course. And then on the Windy City, I also cover the rest of the Chicago sports teams as well. And then all the White Sox stuff is at Sox Showdown on Twitter. The name of the website is SouthsideShowdown.com. It's all part of the great fan-sided networks. And then all my podcasting comes via the Barroom Network. Uh, bar Down Talking Hockey. Uh, Crosstown Crosstalk is the all MLB show. And then the South Burbs Hitman every Monday night is where we interviewed Jake Berger. I have an interview with, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. I feel bad for some of these prospects. That's just how baseball works, though. Their, their names are easily forgettable yeah. until they become something. And you're drafted in the fourth round. But I got him coming on soon. Very excited about that. And uh, yeah, at Vinny Parisi on Twitter, I retweet everything that is through me that I created. So that's how it goes. Awesome stuff, Vinny. Uh, great follow and uh, always some fresh, uh, timely content coming out. Thank you so much, buddy, for talking White Sox with me. Anytime. I love this show and I love hanging out with you. You got it, Vinny. Thank you, buddy. Go Sox. Go Sox. Folks, thank you so much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Sox. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTV. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on the next episode, I'll recap the Cleveland series, especially the big Dylan C. Shane Bieber matchup on Sunday Appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Morowski. Until next time, go Sox.